We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And in today's show, we're going to go back in time a little bit to begin the, the pod. The year is 1979. And Dr. Jerry Buss has just bought the Lakers and drafted Magic Johnson with the number one overall pick. Now, it's important to understand Dr. Buss's broader mentality when building out the team. He wanted us to not only be good, he wanted us to be the best show in town, just really entertaining. And having arguably the best player in the league in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and a rookie Magic Johnson who had just captured the attention of the whole country with how he played that great matchup with Bird in Indiana State in 1979 was a huge moment for basketball and the growth of basketball and getting more people interested in the sport. So you're off to a great start. If you want to build an entertaining team that's good, you're off to a great start with that. But you need a coach to do that. And so Dr. Buss hired Jack McKinney to play this fast tempo style. But just 13 games into the season, McKinney gets into a bicycling accident and nearly dies and thankfully, he recovered and lived a long life. I think he passed away in 2018. Um, but at the time, he was in really bad shape. So the Lakers are in the middle of their season. They're at like nine and four. And McKinney's top assistant coach has to take over, Paul Westhead. Now, Westhead is one of the game's great basketball people. He's won an NBA title as a head coach and a WNBA title as a head coach and was the head coach for those great Loyola Marymount teams uh, in the early 90s with Hank Gathers and Bo Kimball. Did you, do you remember those squats? Yes, yes. 130-something points per exactly. game. Like they were a great sort of niche college team that was mm – -hmm. Like had notoriety for like that two or three year stretch. Um, tragically, the Hank mm -hmm. Gathers that really brought them to the forefront in terms of a national story. But um, Bo Kimball was a great player and little, you know, former Clipper Bo Kimball mm -hmm. and um, always shot his first free throw left handed left handed in, in, in honor to Hank Gathers, who passed away on the court. So um, tragic story around Gathers. But but Westhead was a fantastic sort of running gun. Coach. Yeah, ex that, exactly. That's the point where I'm going with that is like, okay, so you got synergy. The coach 
plays this style that Magic, you have Magic Johnson and Norm Nixon, who at the time was considered one of the best point guards in the league too. So it's really, everybody's on the same page and they're running and gunning and they win 60 games that year. And that's the, that's the year. He was the coach when, uh, he was the coach who decided to start Magic at the five in game six of the 1980 finals after Kareem got hurt instead of Mark Landsberger. And so he helps facilitate that game. And so he's this like interim coach in this really strange situation where like the head coach just got in an accident and can't coach anymore, but he coached the team to the title. So the Lakers, like they fire Jack McKinney and Dr. Buzz feels terrible about this and talks to one of his business partners to get McKinney a job in Indiana as an assistant. And McKinney went on to have a good career as, as a coach. But um, anyhow, it's this situation where it's like, oh, well, I guess. Paul Westhead is our coach now. And him and Magic are thick as thieves, right? Uh, reportedly, Magic said, you know, if, if he goes, I go type of thing. Well, the next year, Magic tears some cartilage in his left knee. And he only plays in 37 games. And the Lakers lost in the first round of the playoffs that year. with And Magic missed like a game-winning shot in that. And so he's... You know, he's the went from being the hero to the villain in 1981. And that summer, Dr. Buss signs him to a 25-year, $25 million contract. Imagine that these days, signing a, a player to a $25 million contract. But this is very much Dr. Buss's go big or go home type of ethos. He felt like he found a, a foundational building block and like, I'm not letting this guy go anywhere ever. So... The following season, Magic is still kind of recovering from the knee and he's still like, and, and, and even when he came back, you know, the year before, he wasn't quite physically where he was. And so he was struggling a bit and Westhead started to rely more and more on Kareem. And so let, I, I think like 15 months after that, in, in the early following season of the 81-82 season, Amidst a five-game winning streak, the way Paul Westhead tells the story, and again, this is always go to primary sources on all this stuff. I'm trying to relay the best version I can of, of these stories, but Paul Westhead goes to Magic and like criticizes his defense and is like, this is what you need to be doing differently and better. The next morning, amidst a five-game winning streak, Paul Westhead is fired. He gets the, the Lakers had won an NBA championship with him like a year, maybe a little over a year before Darius. They fire him. I believe this is the part of the story that's fuzzy that if I had a few more minutes to research, I would I would find out the answer to. They had this weird like two coach approach where it was going to be Pat Riley and Jerry West or Pat Riley and someone else. And then they tried that at, like they thought about that at first and then decided to go with Riley. And he won, I think, four, <laughs> four more titles with the Lakers. The point of all of this is we are a hot mess. We are have always been a hot mess full of drama and all of these kind of crazy ideas. I wanted to use this pod in such a, an intense time right now to kind of reminisce on this dramatic-ass franchise, Darius, over the years between the story I told, the Shaq and Kobe years, you had some cream and magic stuff in between, Cedric Sabalos and Havasu, Van Exel, 123 Cancun. There are stories all over the place. Take that in whatever direction you want, man, but this is a big part of who we are. Can I just say, too, that the transfer of power 
there between Westhead and Riley. Like some of the stuff that you left out, the yeah, please fill ma- in the gaps. No, and so if I recall the stories correctly, Magic and Westhead had really started to beef, right? And it's my understanding that Magic sort of went, he like post game just went into the locker room talking to the press, right? The good old days where they weren't on Zoom, Mike, and they were actually in the locker room. I, I'm sure you remember those days. And he was just like, yeah, I think I want to be traded, right? And it's sort of like, wait, you're Magic Johnson. Two seasons ago, you jumped center and won the championship for the Lakers. And it was that drama, basically, between him and Westhead. And it had sort of come come to a head. Like, they still had Norm Nixon. They still had Kareem, right? Um, they were starting to sort of change the style of play. And Magic was sort of like, yeah, a little bit more regimented, not really my style. Like, I think I want out. And in the battle between the third-year point guard and the grizzled head coach, guess who won? Yeah. Right? It wasn't the grizzled head coach. Now, that sort of power struggle between player and coach is a story as old as time. We've seen that happen a bunch of times. Uh, There's an infamous story that doesn't involve the Lakers of LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh in a meeting with Pat Riley. And so Pat Riley, (laughs) who was on the end of a different sort of power struggle, right? Because he got inserted as head coach, but LeBron sort of, hey, Pat, you ever get the itch to coach anymore? And this was when they were sort of struggling under Eric Spolstra, right? And that idea of who's going to win out. So anyways, that sort of happened. And the idea was, Pete, in getting back to the Lakers, that Jerry West was going to coach the team. Like, Dr. Buss was sort of just like, you're you're the guy who built this team, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know best. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. West told Dr. Buss, like, yeah, I'm going to – well, a guy I want to tap to bring up with me is Pat Riley. And Pat Riley had – he was announcing games before. And so he got tapped and West went to Riley and – and said, you know, like, like, I want you to be a coach with me. And then on the spot, in the moment, like at the presser, he he pivoted on everyone and said, and I'd like to announce our new head coach. It's going to be Pat Riley. And right, Pat's, that's like, right. Pat's like, WTF? Right. It's even more dramatic than I right, remember it. That's right. right. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be me. Jerry West was playing chess, man. Hey, man, Jerry West was, he he was playing, playing Batman, and, and so i wanted man. to add that context to that because it's even more thank dramatic, you because it is yes. it's even more dramatic it's even more like the the soap like, opera yeah. of it all novella and, yeah and and the moving of the pieces just just like you said mike really is chess right and there's uh there's the the Hollywood nature of the Lakers is sort of baked into it all, right? They are the Showtime team, they are the Glamour team, and um, and soon they'll be the HBO team because we'll be able to see sort of the dramatic element of this play out, right? That's based off of the uh, great Jeff Perlman book. 
that will be on on HBO that that looks like it's going to be a fantastic show. But that's the only way that it could be with the Lakers to a certain extent. And we've sort of joked in our text threads, Mike, about how that element of things had gone away for a little while, right? Um, but I've got all there, there are so many things that have happened over the years that it, it's it's sort of crazy. But but I wanted. I don't necessarily want to like dig dig into the dirt dirt of it all, Mike. But you've been covering the team up close for over a decade now, and while I don't want you to have to spill any state state secrets around like the the behind the scene scene stuff, I'm I'm wondering what it looks like from your perspective as an insider versus an outsider. Because from an outsider perspective, like me and Pete, we're like we're gobbling up news stories and like, oh, hints of palace intrigue yeah. and all of this. But when you're on the inside, I bet it looks much different than sort of the angles that we get from the press where it's like, oh, a tweet here and like, oh, this person and that person and they're at each other's throats. But I bet on the inside it looks different than that. Yes and no. <laughs> hey. <laughs> when I, from an outside, I was an outsider to start. So I came here in 2008. And I I kind of, I as we've talked about before, I tried to dive my, into Laker history. And one of the things that I did was literally write about a one-page history for every season for like the Laker, Lakers.com oh, awesome. archives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, but it gave me a chance to research and talk to a lot of people and, and so it took me a little while to get the whole thing together. But one of the things that really crystallized what the Lakers were was understanding Dr. Buss. And so that's where Pete sort of started this. But it's two things. On the one hand, when I moved to Los Angeles, just the city, that was the first part where I kind of got it. Oh, oh, what did you get? That's this, interesting. That, 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 that it's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I lived in I grew up in Minnesota. I lived in Chicago. I lived in Baltimore and a couple of other cities but there just is something about los angeles the city period and it's the it's the mix of the beaches and the air and the downtown and hollywood and all of the different stuff that's right in this little valley or i guess this huge valley and so that that appeal is real like why why do so many people live in los angeles because a lot of a lot of us this would be me included have moved from somewhere else and been like Okay, well, if you can hack it here, then it's awesome. And like, let's go ahead and stay. So that has, to me, that is one part of why there will always be stars uh, in Los Angeles. It's it's the city. The city deserves credit for that. Then Dr. Buss, who also was an outsider to Los Angeles mm-hmm. at first, and, you know, he can, he comes in and is like, this city is awesome. This city is amazing. Uh, what what do I love about this city? How can I combine the Lakers and, and sort of turn this successful franchise that's had players into even more, like wrap this even more into it? So I think his vision paired with all that. And that that crystallized, I think, the purple and gold and everything that comes with going to a Laker game as like that. Sure, they're gonna, there's going to be a year or two here or there. And we just went through a couple of them where you might not have a star for a number of different reasons, but it's not going to be long. It's not going to nope. be long. And and I, I was saying that all throughout that run, and I was on the radio most of the time with Michael Thompson, and everybody was kind of freaking out. What's gonna, I'm like, look, guys, if you don't grow up as a Laker fan, what what you're thinking is they're, they're going to get somebody soon. And once they yeah. do, it's right back to the top. And that's how it's always going to be. 
It's always going to be. Will there be drama associated with it? Sure. Uh, that that would be the case for any team that has talent and for any franchise that has talent because that's what comes with it. But it's good being it's good being with the Lakers uh, in in that context. And I think that I don't see that changing anytime. What an awesome explanation of kind of the dynamic and how you view L.A. as an outsider. I grew up on the other side of the hill from L.A., which is definitely different than L.A. in, in, uh, in Little Rock right by Palmdale. Um, it's certainly different than L.A., but you're close enough to where it's not moving from Wyoming like Dr. Buss did. You know? And so let's take a quick break. I want to keep going down that line you're going down there, Mike, with the, the dynamic that that ends up creating. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The more immersed that I get in with the Lakers, the more that I view the franchise as a stage of sorts, kind of like a Carnegie Hall or a Hollywood Bowl or somewhere where it is a place for the for stars to perform. Like when they come to LA, they're not going to play these places, but if a big star comes to LA, they're going to play a, a limited number of venues, crypto.com arena, right? Uh, and, and certain places like that, but it's a handful of places. And so I view the Lakers as kind of that stage for basketball. The Knicks, as bad as they've been over the last many years, they are a stage of their own in basketball. And Madison Square Garden really represents that in a lot of ways. But Let me pause you on that for one yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't lose your train of thought, please. But like when you walk out of Madison Square Garden, you have had an, an experience. Even if the team's bad, you have felt something mm. cool. When you walk out of crypto.com arena in the past staples center you have felt something it's a vibe right it's a it's its own it's its own thing yeah. and the players are built into that yeah one of the differences though is that you're walking out into 70 degree weather most of the time <laughs> if not 80 <laughs> right no, right into LA live across the for street right? or, or if you're yeah, a musician yeah, yeah. and you perform at madison square garden like this is amazing and then you've got to sprint to your limo if you're billy joel it's a helicopter or, or whatever and but if you walk out in, in L.A. and that I really think that makes a massive difference. But it, the experience is still there. Um, it, it's just like L, that's where L.A. has an edge over even anywhere else to me. And, and again, I do think sometimes it's as simple as the weather in the ocean. Yeah, it's that's a huge part of it. And I think that because like any team, any any person, you got to use the advantage that you have to get to where you want to go. And so I think that puts Lakers in a position where. The way that we have to build a good team is just really different than most other teams. It's neither good nor bad. It's certainly an advantage. Uh, but we're just a different place all our own. And 
that idea of it being a stage and the biggest stage, Darius, when the lights are brightest, when you fail, that's a, you know, you're at the, on the, at the Apollo who comes out to give you the hook. You know what I mean? Like there's, it's, it's spectacular fail. Like we never fail quietly. We are always this like Zeppelin, you know, careening a thousand miles an hour toward, toward the earth, you know? And so that idea though, also, I think there, there are some things that happen in Lakerland that happen to every team that it's just like not as big of a deal when it does. And I think that's a, a lot of it. So anyhow, um, that's something that stands out to me is that you have to manage expectations. You have to manage the spotlight that comes with a certain degree of challenges all its own. And on some levels, there is no managing it. There's accepting yeah. it. Yes. There's and living working with, it. with it, like living, right. right. Realizing it, it is, it is. Yes. A thing. Yes. And, and we were talking about this a little bit, like in our off pod discussion that we referenced yesterday, Pete, where we literally talked for two and a half times longer off the air than, than we did when we were recording the pod. And one of the things that I mentioned is that exact idea of it's not even that like the media is going to be hard on you here or that they're confrontational or that there's like like if you play in new york mike there's like you can end up on page six right or like the new york post may put you right on the front page frank i sold is a different vibe than the guys we got out here yeah, yeah and and there will be a headline that is a for real pun headline using your name or something that you did in the previous game that was your mistake and it will be your face or an image of you on the front of the paper because that's how the vibe is in new york right versus los angeles and the press here is not going to hammer you in that same same way but the fan base is so big and the scrutiny of that is can run so deep. And the importance of what it means to be a Laker in Los Angeles versus a Clipper. I always get a chuckle, Mike, when it's like, yeah, let's have Paul George throw out the first pitch at a Dodgers game. And how's that go? How's it go when it's Chris Paul? How did it go when it was Blake Ooh. Griffin? Right. They showed we were laughing the other day because it's like they had a suite at the Rams arena at SoFi Arena. And there's there's Paul George and there's Kawhi and they're in the suite and they're there with Mookie Betts and all of these other sort of L.A. legendary players. Right. They showed Dwayne Wade because Dwayne Wade was there. It was his birthday. That was the same night the Lakers were playing the Jazz. Right. And so Dwayne Wade's in Los Angeles. He's at the Rams game. He gets cheered. Right. And like, oh, Dwayne Wade, you're a legend. You might have broken Kobe's (laughs) nose, but you're a legend. Right. We're going to cheer you. Oh, look, it's Paul George. Booze. Right. Oh, look, it's Kawhi Leonard. Booze. You know why? Because those guys aren't. (laughs) They play basketball in the city of Los Angeles, but they don't play for the Lakers. That idea cuts both ways, though. So you can be celebrated. In this city, in Los Angeles, like no other professional athlete who plays for any of the other teams, right? You can be a great Dodger and people will love you. But if you are 
there's a certain level that you will, we will reach. deify you if you're good enough, you know? Yeah. But yeah, like, and so you could end up, you can end up being an all time great as a Dodger. But if you're an all time great as a Laker, you're up even another level. That scrutiny cuts both ways in the same way that th- that same idea of building you up and tearing you you down. That's exactly it. And there's a reason why I always say that, like, some people aren't built to play here. And Kobe used to say it, too. Like, if I have to recruit you to come here and play or if you don't see the value in this or if you're not up for it, then you're not the guy in the first then place. you're not the guy anyway. Right. And so it's one of the reasons why, Mike, I'm grateful for LeBron, because LeBron LeBron knows he 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 is built for it. And Anthony Davis, even in his own way, has shown an acceptance of what it means to navigate that within the city. And I'm appreciative of those guys basically being like, yeah, like I'm here for it. And but that's not for everyone. It's really not. Well, the star element to kind of build these points together is is where I think that endless optimism for where the Lakers can go, even when they don't make maybe the right choice or the perfect choice, which isn't always easy to do, by the way, or if the situation that presents itself isn't ideal. But the players that are growing up now, who said this the other day? Maybe it was Dwayne Wade, who you just cited a second ago. LeBron is their GOAT. And... The, the the generation before that, some of the guys now, Kobe was. And before that, it was Jordan. And before that, you know, it was Magic. And, and guess what? Other than Jordan, all these guys are Lakers. And and so the, that's part of it in its own right. The, the, the guy who played, there's always the star that is there. And so there's going to always be that when we watch games in, in any sport, and I think you can, to some extent, you could say this about movies and entertainment or music, like there are, most people aspire to one of the best, no, not just one of the good ones or a guy that was an all-star a couple of times. And and that's the first thing that you think about there is the Lakers. And and now, you know, again, I, LeBron has won for three different teams, but the most recent one has in, in the experience that I think the fact that he won having come furthers that along, too, because all those guys have won. Yep. Mm-hmm. All of them. And that's so that's, that's the, one of the great arguments we can make, Mike, is if yeah, you come exactly. here and you're good enough, we'll make it happen. Be, because once you and also once you come here, you're not going to have a problem getting somebody else to come. And, and guess what? Guess what just happened with LeBron and Anthony Davis? And you might have to give up a lot of the of the guys to get that. But this is a, a whole different discussion is how the changes in free agency and guys sort of like signing extensions to lock money in and makes that a little bit different. From before, where like, how did LeBron come here? The Lakers didn't give anything up to get LeBron, if we recall. He came right. as a free agent, and that's the real way that you win in the NBA when you get a guy to come because your place is sick and <laughs> you don't have to give anything up. Like KD went to Brooklyn; they didn't have to give anything up to get KD as a free agent, and that gave them a lot of different flexibility um, with which they may have won a title last year had they stayed healthy. They probably would have had to play the Lakers. Uh, had the Lakers stayed healthy, but you know, that would have been fun. We used to remember the beginning of last season. That was the matchup we were talking about. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, for t- applying all of that stuff to this season, I, I think is a different, it's a different podcast. I'm always kind of thinking in the present, but yes, it's uh, that future. I think that the Lakers have long-term is, is not going to change from what the previous, the, the short-term and long-term past was. 
that's that's absolutely the case. Kind of keeping that pipeline open. That's a pretty good uh, executive overall plan. Is let's try to make it. Let's t- try to calibrate towards superstars. But that comes with a whole slew of of uh, complications that I think other teams don't always have. Let's take a break. Come back. Talk a little more about that. One of the things I've loved about being a Laker fan over the years is that there have been so many personalities and just big personalities who are amongst the best at what they do and have these huge egos. Ego and the idea of ego is a whole conversation that I think is really interesting, maybe a summer pod for us to wax more loquacious and philosophical on. But when you have that sort of dynamic, Mike, with all of those people and those attracting those stars, stars come with egos, stars come with things that they want. Stars come with just a whole, uh, a whole slew of like, you have to manage this now. It's, it's not just a team of second round picks that are going to play hard because they're looking for their next contract or that's, you know, just how they stick in the NBA. It comes with the whole dynamic that, has to be managed and experiencing that over and over as a little kid with magic and Kareem and the complications and the, the, we remember all of the good parts, but there were complications there too. The Shaq and Kobe dynamic, Jerry West, Dr. Buss, Magic Johnson, all of these, all of these characters within this universe, Darius, have egos. And that's something that when you always say that this is a people business, yes, that is a huge factor within that. No, and there's a reason why they don't call the like. I mean, Rob Palinka's title now is president of basketball operations, but for the longest time, his title was general manager, and that's what Jerry West's title was too, the general manager. And when and just look at those words as standalone words, general manager. You are a manager of all of these general things that exist within the organization, right? And part of that means acquiring players. Part of that means hiring the coach, right? Part of that means working with the ownership group in order to make sure that the thing that you want to do, they'll actually let you do it. That the money that you want to spend is what you're going to spend. Part of it is having communications with the star players in order to make sure that things are going going to be fine. Mike, I remember all of these stories that Kobe Bryant used to tell about the one-on-one conversations he used to have with Jerry West all of the time, not only about basketball, but about life and about making sure that things were going to be fine with him. And the stories that Jerry West would tell about working with Shaq and trying to make sure that those relationships were going to be smoothed over. Right. And there is a lot of managing that goes into that. And and it's not just with the stars, it's with the role players, too, and and trying to make sure that all of those things align in order to row in in uh, the right direction. And that's difficult. And it's difficult when you have the egos involved. It's difficult when the stakes are what the stakes are, right? And when the spotlight is as bright as as it is. And this is what I said to you yesterday, Pete, but when you have LeBron James, so the Lakers are their own spotlight. Mm-hmm. And LeBron when, is his own spotlight but too. But LeBron yeah. is his own spotlight too, yeah. right? And so you don't, it's it's not just like oh well the the lights are bright and there's LeBron and there and he plays for for the Lakers LeBron brings more lights with him right and so when you're playing for the Lakers and you're one of LeBron James's teammates guess what 
that looks like and how that environment can treat you and it's a lot and the managing that needs to happen within that and, and and so i look at a player like russell westbrook and i think think to myself like okay well you came of age and like he's a laker fan he mm-hmm. grew up in southern california right mm-hmm. And he brings some lights too. certainly not on the level of the Lakers or LeBron, but he brings his own. He brings his own. And he also brings he he brings the baggage of scrutiny from he also brings the baggage of scrutiny. Mm-hmm. Right. That, well, that's what lights from, do is they shine a light, places, right? Right. Yeah. But yep. it's a different type of light. It's 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 the sort of like inspector light, like where you are looking for for all of the cracks and crevices in well, well, in the foundation, or if you're getting your home appraised, like, is that, that spot in the ceiling, is that- You're a, looking real close for like, the bad like, stuff. Like, yep. is that a leak? Yeah. Like, oh, is that a trail of ants right there? Do, like, when was the last time this house was sprayed, right? So there's a lot of that go going on with Russell Westbrook too, right? But that idea of, he came of age in Oklahoma City, Right. And then he played in Houston and then he played in Washington. And these are all Russ is a star because he's because he's been great. Right. And so he he was almost always bigger than the market that he was playing, playing in. But then you come to Los Angeles and that's not going to be the case. You play with LeBron James. That's not going to be the case. And the idea now of, OK, Mike, Russ was asked this a few what, like maybe a week ago? And he asked, he was asked, like, I think by Sam, Sam, Sam Amick, like, hey, what's it like? Play over the Lakers and the fans, they seem to be mad at you, like all, <laughs> all of the time. And Russ was diplomatic, right? And he handled that about as well as I think you can from the perspective of like, hey, I, I, I look at it as a good thing. It means I've accomplished things in my life and the expectations are high and and on and on and on. A lot of platitudes from a star player that that you expect to get from someone who's had to deal with with the media for a long time. But this is the environment now for him and for every other player. And the expectations are high and and the spotlight is high. And I I don't want to imply that Russ isn't built for this. Right. Because that's not where I'm going with that at at all. But it is another variable to manage that I do not think everyone is used to when they come to play for for the Lakers. And that drama is always festering, it feels like, to me at least. Well, Darius, I thought you made a really good analogy, not the first time in talking about bands and in the last pod that you guys did, um, that I I always enjoy getting to listen to one uh, when, that I'm not on because I don't really listen to the ones that I'm on. And so I'm like, oh, a new Laker film room podcast dropped. <laughs> Woo! Appreciate you know, listening, Mike. You know, thanks, guys. Long yeah, time, first time. Know, long yeah, time, yeah. long time. Uh, not first time, but long certainly time. not. Certainly and not. <laughs> you know, there the this whole life is an expectations game. Sports is a metaphor for life. We always talk about that. And there was this expectation, uh, I think, from people that didn't. So, what's a what's a way to put this? I talked to Michael Cooper uh, for a, a different thing for a, a Facebook uh, official Lakers Facebook page uh, sponsored by Socios yesterday. And we were just talking about Russ. And I think like Coop made a point and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to mix his words, but basically like it's different watching Russ every day 
I think, for a lot of Laker fans than just may have seen him the couple times a year when they played on national TV and against the Lakers. And so the expectation of what Russ was going to be and that kind of player, like the mm-hmm. the center of the earth, right, for OKC and to a different extent, you know, in Houston and Washington, but it's it's mostly the OKC days, I think. Mike, remember the 2020 to. game that he had against the Lakers in Staples and, and like how memorable that was from well, the, the, an the 2020 game in in OKC. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. That was an OKC. Yeah. That, yeah. That that's was the right one after. I'm talking about. Yeah, Apologies. Yeah, yes. Well, he also had 40 against us with the Rockets. Yeah. And yeah. had like 30 in the playoffs, 24 in another game. And that yeah. was after after Nipsey Hussle died. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. That's the game yeah. I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. 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 For sure. So, you know, I think that that expectation which we had tried to qualify was like, that's not going to be the rust that's supposed to come here. But the expectation of that, that type of player, I think, how could it not have been on somebody who doesn't have the time and isn't paid to watch every single game? Like I am to expect that coming. And that's, there's a, a dissonance there. I think that that has been evident um, as the season has gone on and exacerbated by LeBron's injury to start and then AD's injury most recently. And we've spent a lot of time on this pod uh, talking about all of these things, but it's also, we have, to, we have to remember that like the average person that's tuning in and like goes out there and they see LeBron and they, and they see Russell Westbrook and then they see this other team and it's like, why, why isn't this working, right? And even though we might know the reasons why, it's it's really difficult to to square that with what- It's the, a recipe what, for frustration. With what yeah, we're supposed totally... to, exactly. Yeah. yeah. This whole dynamic, I'm so glad we had this pod because we're amidst one of these kind of turbulent times. I'm going to grab my popcorn and be ready for the Orlando game here at uh, 4 p.m. Pacific time. See how this goes, uh, because it could be an interesting road trip for sure. And I think that this dynamic in particular is formative into understanding the Lakers. Like you have to understand this in order to understand what the Lakers are and the circumstances that they need to navigate. One little point I wanted to add to that. the the expectation is also there for the other team when they play the Lakers of the, of them being point. the yeah. peak point of the Lakers. And this is what I learned from starting my, my NBA career with the Timberwolves, which is the opposite. And which, which basically means is you're not going to get a night where the other uh, rarely, you're rarely going to get a night where the other team comes and they're just kind of like not ready to play for you. So if you're, which is a good thing, if you have a really good team, because it tests you and it keeps you sharp throughout a regular season up until you get to the postseason. It's a bad thing when you are yeah. not playing your best and you're missing guys. Because, yep. like, I, I'm sure you guys watched, like, Indiana somehow managed to beat Golden State because Golden State didn't expect them, but they didn't play anybody. They played them off for the Lakers. Lavert sat, Brogdon sat, uh, Sabonis had hurt his ankle. And, like, they don't, teams don't do that for the game against the Lakers. Uh, even, again, even in terms of the Warriors on a national TV game, which game did they choose to play in? Which is a whole nother conversation, but yeah, that that's part of the deal, man. I think understanding what the deal is is very crucial to navigating it. Let's see how the Lakers do that this weekend. Everybody have a great weekend. You've been listening to Laker Film Room podcast. We'll be back on Monday. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. Lot of Lakers.
Laker fans well, stick around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Let's go. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.